Good evening, and welcome to the Television Graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here to examine the spirits of films that were not quite the best of the year. This is February, and on Stay Doomed, February means Razzies. With me, as always, is Noah Houlihan. Let's go to the Winchester and wait for this whole thing to blow over. Uh, one, that's a terrible British accent, and Thank two, you. this is not the correct film. Yeah, well, nothing special popped out of this film that yeah. I could use as a quote. It's really hard to just have a roller skate jump scare. Yeah. As your opening quote. This week we are doing Winchester, starring Dame Helen Mirren. Yes, that dame. Dame is a, an official title. Like, sir. Yeah, I know. No, I was making a joke. I know. I, I wasn't sure you knew that. Cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you know all of the intricacies of British hierarchy? Yes. Did you hear my British accent? It was spot on. Yeah, that's why I asked. Like a I spot of tea. I hate you. Is this cultural appropriation? Are you mocking my people? I am imitating your people, and that is the sincerest form of flattery. Okay, so I can go after your lucky charms. A doity 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 doity. <laughs> oh, we're going to cut that, right? <laughs> so this week we're doing uh, Winchester, which is a the rarest of beasts. It is a horror movie nominated for a Razzie. Yes, this is very rare. Now, uh, I'm a big fan of the Razzies. I didn't do research because I'm lazy. But I was trying to think of times where horror movies were nominated for Razzies. And I know that uh, a winner of Worst Picture is actually Misery. Yes. No, not Misery. Um, The Shining? Mommy Dearest. So, Mommy Dearest is a weird... um, Mommy Dearest is a weird case because it's such an over-the-top cult movie and Mm -hmm. it's also a biopic. Right, but like... Well, that's actually very interesting now that I think about it, because so is this. This is based off of a true story as well. The difference being, this is loosely inspired by true events. Yeah, that's a Mommy Dearest say. was um, Mommy Dearest was written by her daughter. Right. So, Mommy Dearest was supposedly a biopic. Yeah, w- would you call Mommy Dearest a horror movie? Now, now I'm really... It's about it like abuse. Yeah, I... I wouldn't say it's a horror movie now that I think about it. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a horror film. I would call it more of a drama. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I know you're you're taking a look now, but horror movies tend not to get nominated. Like we said in previous episodes. Mommy um, Dearest also won Worst Picture of the Decade in the 80s. Yeah, and now it's Beloved. Uh, It's a docudrama is the official genre of it it is beloved kind of the way the room is beloved i disagree because i I remember watching the top 100 lines of cinema and they pay reference to no wire hangers right this is a cult movie Right, but I I don't think it's the same way that it's, like, The Room. I think the people that like it enjoy it, not for how bad it is. No, um, it was 
kind of seen as unintentional comedy. Really? Yes. I have not seen this movie. Like The Room. Uh, And I mean, you think about iconic lines. Oh, hi, Mark. That's a good point. That's a good argument. Um, I mean, that's very... Cult movies always have lines that stand out. True. All right. right. You you raise a good argument. In any case, let's take a look. How often are horror movies nominated for Razzies? Throughout, uh, Friday the 13th was notably nominated but did not win. Okay. Um, Jaws 3D was nominated but did not win. Uh, it seems to be not uncommon for one to get nominated. Oh, Howard the Duck and Under the Cherry Moon tied. Jaws the Revenge was nominated but did mm-hmm. not win. So it doesn't look terribly common. So in the entire decade of the 90s, the only horror movie that was uh, nominated at all for Worst Picture... The only two were monster movies. They were Anaconda and Godzilla, which are arguably not horror movies. And right, the only okay. arguable horror movie is The Island of Dr. Moreau. Which is like... Extreme, extreme extenuating yeah. circumstances. Oh, and The Blair Witch Project and The Haunting were both nominated for the year 2000. The Blair Witch Project. And, wow. And Blair Witch Book of Shadows was... Uh, Nominated the next year. That bo- that movie's terrible. That movie's really bad. But the original is like... That's beloved and a cult picture and not for its unintentional comedy. So, I know a lot of horror fans who don't actually care for Blair Witch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there are people that dislike tons of movies, but... The Blair Witch Project, when it came out, was a phenomenon. Oh, Absolutely. I'm thinking about it, though, the same way some people look at Paranormal Activity. Right. Um, that it's a gimmick. True, but when it came out and was a phenomenon, we're like, we're looking back at it retrospectively. Meanwhile, the year the Blair Witch Project came out, it was seen as innovative and was a sensation. It takes a lot of balls to be like, yo, that's the worst movie of the year. Uh, my uncle, who's the biggest horror fan I know, rest his soul, hated the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Um, I remember him at like our family picnic that summer being like, nothing happened! Which is a good segue into Winchester. Yes. So, uh, one of the biggest complaints when I was looking through um, both reviews and the official Reddit thread, the official like discussion for Winchester is that this movie was painfully dull and boring. Yes. The, uh, not a lot happens. Nope. In the beginning, like, the first scene of a horror movie is always, like, that first scare. Right. It's not necessarily the beginning of the story. It's always just like, here's an exciting thing we're going to show you before the, the title card. Yes. In this one, it is a little boy with a pillowcase on his head. Burlap bag. Uh, well, yeah. A burlap bag or a sack of some sort. Yeah. And what is the first thing you say about it? Uh, he looks like Admiral Akbar. He super does. And then his uh, his mother goes after him. And all I end up doing is yelling, it's a trap. Yes. At the screen. And then it's a trap. And then what takes place is she takes the bag off his head. And his eyes are like 
a little cloudy for like a moment. And he points and says, he's coming for us. He points and says, he's coming. And then it cuts away. It almost seemed like there was supposed to be a jump scare when the bag was taken off. And they forgot to put in the CGI. And then he points behind her and they turn and they forgot to put the CGI in. The editor like cut to the wrong thing. Yeah, like they're sitting in the uh, premiere and the director's like, where's the monster? That's why we cut to that. Greg! Uh, I actually have the note, if I drank a shot every time there was a horror movie cliche, I'd be dead already. That is the fifth note I have in this movie. We are not even in the title card yet. So, once we get the title card and the movie starts, I feel like it takes a really long time for them to establish when we are and who these people are. Yeah, we don't meet the little boy and... The mother, again, for, like, 15 minutes. Because we then, like, cut to... San Francisco, which does get a card. We are right. told we are in San Francisco. But we cut to this guy, the the Dr. Price, we yeah. eventually find his name at. I in looked his it up. Home. What, what I'm saying is, though, we cut to his home, and we kind of know going in that this is the past, because it's the Winchester house... But unless you're already familiar with the mythology, you don't, or you're very good at identifying time periods, you don't really know. I actually do have this uh, down as Victoriana. Right. Which means that I figured out that it was early 20th century, but I didn't know exactly. Like, late 1800s, World War One. where are we here? Right. What I'm trying to get at is, when you do that thing where you open the movie and it's a horror movie... You don't know when that takes place in time. Right. It is not uncommon for them to show you something, smash cut to title card, three weeks earlier. So when we cut to this, I'm like, I have no idea if we've jumped back in time, forward in time. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this movie was about the Winchester house today. Yeah. So I had no idea when we were at the beginning of this movie. And like Victoriana and Colonial Times are like two of the classic smash forward to present day. Yeah. Because um, I was actually thinking about Practical Magic, which isn't a horror movie, but kind of has a very strong example of this mm-hmm. in that we see uh, their ancestor be burned at the stake or hanged. I can't remember which. Right. Uh, but she's a witch. so I, Yeah, she gets witch killed. Yeah, witch killed. And we see her put the curse down. Title card, present day. Right. So when this movie starts, I immediately am just lost. And they don't do anything to establish anything because you can't hear anyone. Yes, it was a very quiet film. It, it, it's And mumbly. Because, well, one, the main character, who I would, I would say he is the main character. He's definitely the protagonist. Dr. Price is doing poison. Like, his drug of choice is poison. It's laudanum. Yeah. But the bottle says poison on it, which made me laugh. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very Mm -hmm. ham-handed. Laudanum is opium. Right. And I think it was a mistake because he's a psychiatrist. Yes. Like, that's why he's Dr. Price. Man, explaining how this drug affects your mind would have been a great bit of exposition. Right. For someone who doesn't live in a time where people do poison off of glass sticks. Yeah, I mean, 
Laudanum is still sold. Like. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's, like, it wouldn't be that hard. To, to explain? To explain it. Yeah. Like, I just Googled it. It was, it's pain medication and a cough suppressant. So he's doing NyQuil. Essentially. He's doing, he's doing poisonous NyQuil. Hardcore turn-of-the-century yeah. NyQuil. He, I, I realized he is doing the equivalent of licking toads. Because he's just like, he's getting a little bit of toxic substance on his tongue, and then he sees stuff. Yeah, I mean, my first thought was he's budget Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Because Sherlock Holmes famously has an opiate addiction. Yeah. Uh, so while he's doing these drugs, this guy comes in to talk to him. Don't forget about the uh, second weird scare. Did we get a scare here? Sort of. He's talking to a woman, and we don't know who the woman is at this point. Right. We find out, uh, per the TV Tropes page, she and the other two women in the scene are prostitutes. Yeah. So uh, she they talk about like fear and the effect of fear on someone. He looks over and blood comes down a painting. Right. And it's not explained. It's not addressed. Yeah, I think it's just meant to establish when he does drugs, he sees things. Right. Not not enough explanation, clearly. Yeah, he throws a good party. Mm-hmm. You got the drugs, you've got the liquor, you've got the prostitutes, and then somebody comes to hire him. Yes. And a scene takes place that I would like to dub... Running away from the boom mic. Okay. Because there are three or four moments where they ask Price a question and he answers it while walking away. And it's just like... It's said in her grief, she turned to a medium, spiritualist of some sort. The medium may have taken advantage of her mental state. It's not common after a tragedy. I can assure you, Sarah Winchester is anything but common. Uh, After her spiritual encounter, she moved across the country to San Jose, where she purchased what was then an eight-room house. Maybe it's the garden room. She spent the last 20 years expanding it. What what stands now is a uh, gargantuan seven-storied structure with no apparent rhyme or reason. No master plan. Each maze of halls, more confusing than the next. A house under never-ending construction, built on the orders of a grieving widow, whose mind is as chaotic as the house itself. Over the years, she's become more and more reclusive. Last month, the board of directors enacted its right to assess Mrs. Winchester's state of mind to determine if she's fit to control the company. You want to take it away from her? We're worried about her sanity, Dr. Price. Oh, well, that's a really interesting idea. It's like, what? Maybe the boom mic operator, like, was mean and they didn't like him. <laughs> so they're just ruining the movie? Or they smelled... He maybe might, that person smelled bad? Maybe he stunk. I really... Yeah. I feel sorry. I'm sorry, boom mic operator of Winchester, whoever you are. I don't mean to speculate in your character. I'll tag him in the post. <laughs> I will, I will go through the... Oh, uh, like you tagged Yorma in the Lonely Island one? Yes, and exactly. I making thirst comments about Yorma. Exactly. Oh. So, <laughs> long and short of it, because you need it explained because it's vaguely explained in the, in the movie. Uh, 
this guy has come to Dr. Price to evaluate Mrs. Winchester to see if she is mentally sound enough to run the Winchester company. Yes. They're trying to... um... The man who comes to Dr. Price has an ulterior motive. He wants to get control of the company away from Sarah Winchester. So he has an ulterior motive. He wants something from them. Yes. Uh, Now, it should be noted that uh, Dr. Price is on sabbatical. That's what he's calling his drug and prostitute. Doing drugs. That's what everyone who says sabbatical means. And... He uh, owes a lot of money, and this guy says, I will pay you double what you owe. He owes $300 of then money, which is about $7,000 of today money. $7,000 in debt is what he is. Like, most people I know have more student loan debt than that. Yeah, exactly. Like, and you know what he is? A doctor. Yeah, well, maybe if you didn't spend all your money on laudanum and prostitutes. Yeah. So, I thought it was very odd that it was such a little amount. Plus, like, it it just, it was silly and dumb. Well, when you think about it, he's only doing a week's amount of work. He is only at the Winchester house for seven days. He establishes that at the end. Right, right. So, I mean, $15,000 roughly for... A week's work? Mm-hmm. That's not shabby. I know people who yeah. do much worse to pay off their student loans. This is true. This is a good point. So one of the things I need to address right now... By all means. ...is the lighting design in this film. Okay. And how it's bad. It is bad. Um, the one Razzie I would say this deserves is worst lighting design. Everything looks fake. Yeah, it, it always looks like a set. San Francisco, it looks like, if you're familiar with the Thomas Kincaid paintings... <laughs> it looks like like the establishing shot of Price's apartment looks like a Thomas Kincaid painting, which isn't really the vibe you want for your opium den. Yeah. <laughs> Light and bright. I have a bunch of the the house when we see the Winchester house uh, looks less real than the fake house at the beginning of the Curious Christ. Uh, the house looks less real than the facade of the Curious Creations of Christine McConnell. Yeah, it, it kind of has that very fake, miniature look to it. And really, at this point, I've written down, uh, everything has a budget Tim Burton wash on it. Because there are many shots from over top of the house, and yeah. it's big and sprawling. But I'm guessing that that is a children's playset, and that's how they got that shot. Right, yeah, it's probably a scale model. Yeah. Now, I know for a fact they did not film in the real Winchester house. They filmed it in Australia. You're, you're going to talk to me about my accent? Yeah, I don't claim to have a good accent. <laughs> all right, all Australian right. for beer. <laughs> that was a really good Irish accent of saying the word Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but continue, it was filmed in Australia. So everything has this, like, budget Tim Burton feel... We establish who Sarah Winchester is, the gun company, uh, and that Mrs. Winchester is delicate because she's re- she has lost her husband and child. Right. And I put a comment that he accepts because every man has a price. But um bum ching. 
No one can see that face. <laughs> so when he's in the carriage, he's looking at the dossier on the way to the Winchester house. And it's the Winchester Rifle Company. Okay, the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Gun, gun, rifle, 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 roller skates. What? Roller skates. <laughs> Lots of roller skates. Like, roller skates are right after guns here. Yeah. And it's just, sure, whatever. Like, so far in this movie, everything's been executed in that way of like, yeah, all right. I guess we're doing this. And we see him led to a parlor to await instruction. Yes. And uh, they tell him, like, not to... They keep hitting him with rules. Yes. Like, hey, quit drinking. We'll know. Well, this is uh, the second crap... The third crappy jump scare? He is trying to mess with stuff, and he's starting to mess with, like, a servant door. Yes. And a hand wraps around his. Yes. And it's the other character in this movie. It's uh, the mother from the beginning, who is uh, Marion Merritt. Yes. They, they do a good job of setting up... The Winchester house doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, there's doors to everything and stuff like that. And that's how the real Winchester house is. But it's never done in a way that's scary. Yeah, and Marion is uh, Sarah Winchester's niece. And she keeps going about, Aunt Sarah this, Aunt Sarah that. Aunt Sarah forbids firearms. Aunt Sarah has rules. Stay in the East Wing. This is like Beauty and the Beast without the dancing silverware. Yeah, it, it very much felt like Beauty and the Beast. So there's kind of like an intercom system, which is clearly like a plot point waiting yes. to happen. Yeah, it's it's a series of tubes. Like the you, internet. Like the internet that you can talk into and they'll hear you elsewhere in the house. So then uh, Aunt Sarah, or not Aunt Sarah, excuse me. Marion strongly suggests Dr. Price freshen up for dinner. Yes. Pretty much she tells him he smells. Yeah, you smell. Stop doing this. So then Dr. Price is in his room doing some more laudanum. Yeah, he does, does, some, does some poison. And we see a plot MacGuffin of like a picture of a beautiful young woman. Yes. That he kind of talks to. Yes, and he, and he also calls himself a... F- this is where the, the, the mirror jump scare is, right? Yes, where they're really uh, just... They're really broadcasting this jump scare kind of hard. Yes, and you know what? Credit where credit's due, I thought this was great. Okay. It's him yelling at himself in the mirror about how he's a fraud. And the mirror slowly then, like, turns on its own to show a chair. And he fixes it. And then it the go- mirror drifts again. The mirror drifts again and shows the same empty chair. And he fixes it. So at this point, you're like, okay, I get where this is going. And it drifts back to the chair. And there's no one in it again. And then when he goes to fix the mirror, there's someone behind it. And I was like, okay, movie. You, you messed with my expectations. Applaud, applaud. And then he looks at the chair and there's someone in it. I'm like, damn it. I kind of, oh, I actually kind of loved that. I kind of loved, like, it was like, no, we're here. But, like, it was a good scare, and it wasn't, it didn't feel like a cheap scare. Right. Like, like, it wasn't like a cat scare, where it was just like, it looks like everything's fine, and then they made a loud noise. It was a scare that they kind of earned, and when it happened, you laughed. Yeah. That's what a good horror movie should do with a jump scare, is go, ah, oh, screw you, movie. Screw, ooh, like that's how you should feel when you watch a horror movie. And they accomplish it with this scene. Don't get used to it. (laughs) 
but they do accomplish it. And then he meets the butler, who is best described as a Disney college program bellhop at the Tower of Terror. He does. He looks like that character. He has also this, like, crap accent of... He is both trying to be, like, Southern and trying to be British. So I yeah. I kind of got the impression of a Disney college program kid from south of the Mason-Dixon line who's decided he's going to be British. Yeah. Because it's that level of, like, one accent trying to be another one. Yeah, it's it's not great. We'll play it later in the show. Yeah, I mean, look at our hypocrisy being like, wow, that guy's actually... <laughs> yeah, that guy's real bad, governor. <laughs> So, Top of the to you. we go to dinner. Yes. And this is where we have the big discussion. I like Henry a lot in this. Henry is the little boy. We see him playing with his dog toys. That didn't sound right. Playing with his toy dogs. Right. And Dr. Price says, I'm sorry about your father. Because Henry's father has also just passed away. Mm-hmm. And Henry goes, I'm not. Yeah. This is, by the way, when this child is not possessed. This is yes. this child being of sound mind being like, nah. So, because he's trying to be a psychiatrist, and yes. he's trying to question things and gain information and see how everyone's doing. Yeah. And then he asks the big question about... Feel responsible for the misuse of your product? If a weapon works as intended, one can hardly call it a misuse. Well, it can be used for good or bad, depending on the person wielding it. Yes. Then again, perhaps roller skates are a less dangerous endeavor. The company is expanding, looking for other opportunities. I understand that was at your behest, Mrs. Winchester. It was, to the displeasure of the board. It appears that strapping wheels to one's feet can also be a a perilous endeavor. Roller skates are just as dangerous. Just as dangerous. Now, the timing really hurts this movie, because this movie was released two weeks before the Park One shooting. Really? That's very interesting. So this whole, like... People don't kill people, or guns don't kill people. It's a weird ASAP. Yeah, it's it's a bit odd. This has a very weirdly political, a loaded political movie, but it doesn't quite seem to know what it wants to say in regards to guns. Can, can we put a pin in that? Absolutely, uh, we're going to get to that. I want that to be like the end of the thing. Yeah, Because I, I have a lot of thoughts there. I think we need to address it right now because we're setting up that theme. Okay. But we're going to get to it much more at the end of the movie because it's going to figure into the plot. Yes. What I'm trying to say is it's definitely anti-roller skate. Oh, it's absolutely anti-roller yeah. skate. Yeah, like roller skates never do anything good in this movie. Yeah, I've got to say the ice skating lobby really must have put a lot of money in this Yeah, movie. because roller skates takes a big hit in this one. Yeah. That ice skate, maybe it's rollerblading lobby is really. Maybe, yeah. <sighs> those rollerbladers. Yeah, you got to put those wheels in a line. That's when it's safe. So, anyway. So, we, we're back after dinner. He's back in his room and it's nighttime. Yes. And we hear a ghostly female voice. Tell me the story about the farmer who owned the old mule. No. I always liked that story. She's alluding to a certain story. And she's not a ghost like the scary monster in the mirror. It's clearly a ghost from Price's past. Yeah. Presumptively it, the young woman in the picture. Yeah, it's it's very flashbacky things like that. Yeah. Um, midnight strikes, and I, for the third time, comment, maybe it's time to lay off the laudanum, buddy. Yes. Uh, now, this is where he goes adventuring around. <laughs> he, he looks down the peephole. 
This is the scary movie bit. Oh, okay. So this happened first. Yes. Yes. There, he hears something through the uh, the hole, the, the <laughs> pipe. Which I didn't expect this to start paying off yeah. already. I thought this would be something that would come up at the end of the movie, not five minutes after it was introduced. Yes. And he looks down the hole, and I immediately go, well, don't look down it. It's a dark pipe. Like, yeah. it's not a, a periscope. Like, what are you trying to gain? And then he tries to listen. A little finger comes and out. And a creepy, like, decayed finger comes out. And all I can think of is, uh, if you're over 17 and listening to this, uh, you know what scene of Scary Movie I'm thinking of. Absolutely. I thought the same thing. Uh, and actually, when I was looking into the reception of this movie, uh, several commenters on the Reddit thread also thought of this scene. So this scene was entirely ineffective as a horror scene. Yeah, absolutely. Because it brought to mind a comedy movie that was pretty widely seen by people between the ages of, say, you know, 20 and 50. Or, you know, widely seen by people who like horror movies. Exactly. And then would watch this film. So, uh, we see Price goes and he looks around and he spies on Sarah, who hears him, and then he kind of, like, runs away... Now, this is a part that I don't understand. He's, like, sneaking around the house, and, like, you see him hide because people are coming, and he's dipping and dodging through things. Um, I don't know why he can't be seen walking around. Um, I, my assumption is he was in the West Wing, where the flower that decides whether Sarah Winchester lives or dies is in it? I, I guess. It's just... It's where she's keeping all the singing... Housewares? Yeah, it seemed it just so, it seemed really silly. It's like, oh, someone's coming. Like he could easily, when someone came, said, "I'm going for a walk." <laughs> Where's the bathroom? This house is super confusing. Got any laudanum? I don't know how I ended up here. Uh, but this is it's it's important that we mention and because we have not said anything about this, there is a garden room. Yes, and he's very interested in the garden room, but it's been sealed off. Yes. So he... Rooms are commonly sealed off here and then yes. destroyed. Where Henry is right now is Henry is looking under his bed. We cut back to Henry in his bedroom, afraid again, just like the beginning of the movie. Right. He looks under his bed and it's tense. And then roller skate jump scare. Roller skate rolls by and we are supposed to be startled. Demon roller skate because I don't know, whatever. Because roller skates are evil. <laughs> It really is. They like, cause more deaths, than, or as many deaths as guns. Xanadu would like to have a word with this movie. Yes, as would Starlight Express. Uh, Xanadu was actually one of the first movies nominated for a Razzie. Oh, that makes sense. Roller skates are bad for films. Roller skates and car bombs. In any case, uh, Henry then, I guess, gets up to investigate, or gets taken over by the spirit. Yes. Because then we see him... With his Admiral Akbar mask on. Yep. The the sack. Standing on like the third story. On some of the construction, yeah. Yeah, and then he just takes a fall. And just like tries to belly flop off of it. And luckily Dr. Price is there to catch him. Catch him? Break his fall? Yeah. yeah. It's, He's not really catching him. He just lands under oh, him. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a tope suicida. Like... <laughs> Mamma mia! Yeah, he eats it the way like... Seth Rollins eats it when when he catches a body. Uh, but remember this. I'm going to be upset about it later. 
Okay. So they save his life. Um, and we cut to the next day. And no, uh, when he grabs Henry, Henry's eye goes possessed and goes, I see you. Oh, yes. And then immediately changes when he sees his mother, Marion. Right. So now we cut to the next morning. So the next morning, uh, he's talking to uh, Mrs. Winchester. And Mrs. Winchester is now starting to lay on what will be the plot of this film. Yes. I know we're like a half hour in, but we're going to get to the plot of the film very soon. And it's basically, and if you know anything about the Winchester house, it's that. She believes that she is cursed by all the people who have been killed by the rifle she makes. So she's building this house for the souls of the lost. Yes. And is going to help them pass on. Yes. Like Casper. Yes. Some people can move on. Some of them can't. And those who can't get sealed in their room with 13 nails because that's how it works. Because horror movie. Because horror movie rules. And... Dr. Price was picked because he was actually shot by the rifle and was dead for three minutes. Yes. Uh, and he keeps the bullet with him, kept and refurbished. Yes. And it says, together forever. We'll yes. never will part. Together forever with you. <laughs> uh, it actually does say together forever. We're not totally making that up. So we establish uh, that Marion's husband has died because he had demons but not the kind in this house. Yeah. He was an alcoholic. He was he drank a lot. <laughs> Damn it, Otto, you have lupus. Yes. Um, sorry, Mitch Hedberg. So they have a whole conversation about her feeling brave and her being a fighter and a protector for Henry. And she asks Price if he's ever loved anyone enough to die for them. And he tells her he has. And she said, well, what did you do when it came to it? And he answers, I died. Yes. We're, we're, they are punching you in the face with like, yo, he, he did something where he died and it had something to do with his girlfriend, but we're not going to tell you what happened. Yeah. We don't know anything about the lady. You're going to wait. You're going to wait to figure that out. Yeah. We know, we don't know anything about what happened to the young lady. We don't even necessarily know his relationship with her yet. Yes. I, I think it's clear that she is dead. Yes. Uh, but whatever it, it we because we definitely had the idea that it was a suicide pack. Yes. So it, and it, we do by this point know that she is his wife. Yes. Yes. So we thought that maybe they were trying to kill themselves and he failed, but yes. she succeeded. That was our running theory. Uh, so the plan is because he can he has like a connection with these ghosts. Because he was also dead for a little bit and has this bullet that connects him to the dead. That he can help her deal with some more unruly spirits. Right. Yeah, and apparently the rooms are meant to be the rooms they died in. They want me to reconstruct the rooms that they died in. Then they can enter our world. And many spirits just move on peacefully. And if they can't move on, that's when they're sealed in. Yeah, that's when they get there because they're fussy. Because they're mad. So then the next thing that happens is Henry has a gun. Yeah, Henry gets a gun and goes to the other set that we've seen. Because there's not a lot of sets. Which is like the stairwell. <laughs> the stairwell. And he shoots wildly and when he misses Sarah, Mrs. Winchester, yes. uh, he begins to club her with the rifle. 
Yes. And this was, like, the only really upsetting violence to me, because it's just very brutal. Yeah. And, like, they made a nine-year-old Yeah, club, an, <laughs> club, club an old lady. lady with a gun. <laughs> like, it's a little much. And then his mother hugs him, and he kind of comes back. But he does scream, like, she has to die, she has to die. Yeah. So, I wouldn't call it scary, because uh, it's also, it's very bright. Yes, this is a very well-lit daylight horror kind of movie. So I was like, eh. So we eventually learn, and I, I think it's time to jump to this, what this ghost is. Uh, yeah, because this is actually, we, we get there. Okay. This is where we are in the plot. So They've also sealed off everybody because now they're trying to save Henry from the demon who's possessing him, but also get everyone else out of the house except for Marion, Sarah Winchester, Price, the little boy... Two butlers and beard guy. Yes. Now, Price wants this boy to go to a hospital. Yes. And tries to explain it to our friend, the bellhop from... Tower of Terror. Tower of Terror. This is how bad his accent is. Yes. Sir, we are all deeply concerned for Master Henry's well-being. If there is anything I can do to assist you, I... Actually, you can. I need to get my bags, please. Of course. Thank you. Happy to help. It's really bad. Like yeah. I, like to the point where I wasn't sure what he said. Yeah, it's it's clearly someone with one accent attempting to do another. Yes, and doing neither successfully. So uh, he mentions this to uh, Mrs. Winchester, who then pulls out uh, this newspaper from 1855, which was 20 years ago. It would be 50 years. It's from post-war, it's after the Civil War. Okay, so well, this is the first time during the movie where I'm like, oh, now I know the year. Yeah, she said it's from 30 years ago. So this was like post-war, 1870 yes. roughly. And he was upset that his brothers were... En- yeah, no, his brothers were killed by Winchester rifles. Yeah. Because he was a soldier along with his brothers in a war and their guns weren't good enough. Yeah, they were Confederate soldiers in the Civil War... And the Winchester Company, which made superior rifles, outfitted the Union Army. This, to me, seems like a huge leap in logic. Okay. Because you, as a soldier, are trying to kill the other team. Right. But they have better guns because they know you're trying to kill them. Right. So they kill you back. Right. Right. So, this guy who is trying to kill uh, Mrs. Winchester is like someone upset at EA for loot boxes. Because it's like, I didn't have good stuff, but they had good stuff. 1v1 me, bro, even, and I would have won that fight. (laughs) But it's just because you pay to win... And you got loot boxes, so you have better weapons. That's the only reason you're beating me. I'm going to tear this whole thing down. Yeah, like, he's essentially rage quitting. Yeah, he's rage quitting life. So, uh, he goes and commits a mass shooting in the Winchester factory. Yes. Uh, which, to be fair, a mass shooting in the Winchester faculty, an a- or faculty facility, 1870s, like, a mass shooting was a much more considerable... That's a lot of guns you got to carry with you. Yeah. So so he ends up in the the show-off room, 
So that's why his room in the Winchester house has a bunch of rifles in it. And eventually he gets mowed down by the police. Yes. Uh, So he wants revenge on Sarah Winchester. And at this point, Price now kind of believes her. Yes, and um, the creepy butler, at first we're told like, oh, he can see the demons too, and Price almost trusts him. Surprise! He's the evil demon. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, like, but like he tries, he kind of like has a bro moment with Price. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, also I'm the bad guy, okay? Like, that's the reveal. Yes. When uh, Benjamin is being apprehended by the police, it's important to note that he is singing to himself. The yes. song Beautiful Dreamer. Yes. So this way we know when the little boy is possessed. Because he is then singing Beautiful Dreamer. Yes. Which seems like bad strategy. Yeah. If you're a demon of like, you're making it well, real clear. Well, it just goes to show that like, even when you die, that song is still stuck in your head. Oh, no. So everyone kind of gets separated because... Uh, this demon shakes the house so much that it kind of falls apart and they all kind of get, like, blown around and separated. Oh, I'm going to make you so mad right now. Uh, They're also saying that's the earthquake. The great earthquake of San Francisco in 1906. That's what the movie says this is. (laughs) That the demon causes. Oh, that's fun. In my head, that's fun. Yeah. Okay, sure. Whatever. Okay, sure, whatever could be the, t- the subtitle of this film. You know what? Fine. So they all get separated. Now, we we end up with, like, three plots going on at once. There's Sarah, who's just kind of dealing with the demon on her own. Yes. Waiting for Price to get back. Then there's the subplot with Henry and the Marion. And then there's Price's uh, quest. Prices is clearly the uh, A plot right now. Yeah. Let's quickly go through what happens with Henry. Yes. Because it's very much the B plot. And it's it the involves... C plot. It involves Marion following a roller skate down the steps into the basement. Yes. <laughs> because roller skates are evil and should, no one should have them. And she's looking for her son. She's saying, yes. like, we just kind of keep cutting to her... In the dark with a lantern, calling out for Henry as she hears him singing Beautiful Dreamer. Yes. Now, all the previously sealed doors have been opened. So the idea is there's a bunch of hostile ghosts in the house that no one can see. Including Benjamin's brothers. Yes. It it feels very, um, 13 ghosts. Yes. And Miriam's like, no, I'm going to, like, she's very scared. And then she says that, like... I'm a mother. I'm going to be brave. She kind of repeats what she says in the conversation with Price. Almost verbatim. Like, I'm a brave. I'm a protector. I'm a big brave dog. I'm a big right. brave dog. But then what happens? Nothing, right? Right. This whole, her character arc is not strong enough because they never make us care about her. No. It's like, oh yeah, that's the thing from her. Good for you, kid. Whatever. Yeah. Um. It's... It's not great. So I this was a uh, plot hole I had a question about. Sure. What happens if someone dies outside? What do you mean? Like, so Benjamin's brothers died in the war. 
Right. Ostensibly, one could assume they died on a battlefield. Right. How is she reconstructing the room they died in if they died outside on the battlefield? That's a good question. Yeah. That's the thing that bothered me. It might not be the room you died in. It might just be an important room to you. They want me to reconstruct the rooms that they died in. I mean, for everyone else, it's been the room they died in. For Sarah, it's the room... Or for Sarah. Uh, for uh, Benjamin, it's the room he died in, which he'd never been in before he died. Okay. And in this plot with Price, it's the room someone died in. Okay, okay. So I'm just curious. Clearly, they don't know either. They I probably I, didn't think about it. I have... I will I will circle back to this. Okay. There is this whole thing where Henry keeps... They keep trying to possess Henry because that's what the ghost can do. Yeah. Present. If this guy's whole plot was to possess Henry and use him as a means to kill uh, Sarah, why did he throw him off the third floor? He wanted her whole family punished. Okay. And uh, she's his great aunt. Marion is Sarah's niece, and Henry is her son. So it's, you kind of get the idea that that's what happened to her husband, that's what happened to okay, okay. her child. I can get behind this. And that's kind of supposed to be her motivating, you've done enough to my family, mm-hmm. spare Henry and uh, Marion. So, so let's go, that makes sense. So yes. let, let's move on to the Dr. Price plot here. Yes. Because I want to say that up until this point, there was a, a 1408 feeling yeah. to this. Do you know what I mean when I say The John Cusack movie. The yeah. John Cusack movie, who stays in these haunted places and kind of debunks them. Yeah. But when he stays in 1408, he does start to see things. But Samuel Jackson's character in that film gives him like a cognac. And before he sees anything, he always drinks from it. So he realizes like halfway through, like, wait a minute. Am I getting dosed? Yeah. So we as the audience are like, is this real or is this in his head because of drugs? <laughs> is it real or is it laudanum? Exactly. So we're I'm on that ride with him. For it to kind of just be like, no, it's all real. Kind of like... Cheapens it? Cheapens the way the movie feels. Especially because like the painting bled in the beginning. It's like, oh, okay, whatever. Like yes. again, right, right in that moment of, okay, whatever. So well, they established that he can see things because he died at one point. Right. So, so that's part of it. So uh, we we see the phone rings again. It's coming from the garden room. And Price finally gets into the garden room. Yes. And we see an empty rocker rocking in like very blatant horror movie imagery. And we hear the woman again. Tell me the story. Mm-hmm. The one I love. The story about blah, blah, blah. Uh, so the garden room, we realize, belonged to Price and his wife, who we now know is named Ruby. Yes. Uh, it's the room where she died. And she begins to tell the story, and she she has the very, like, mad Ophelia look to her. Uh, which is important because uh, her look is has changes in a couple places. Yes. So she's, like, in a lot of red and white. Mm-hmm. She looks disheveled. Right. And then... Uh, we discover she was mentally ill. Yes. But now that we're in this situation where we know there are ghosts, it is it does bring up the question, is she mentally ill or could she actually see ghosts? Because now Price is in a place where she could be right. 
No, no, Ruby was mentally ill. The wife. Right. She And she, what she says is, I don't want treatment. I want you to believe me. Okay. And now Price has gone through a journey where she he has seen things the same way his wife has. Right. So now it does beg the question of, is he a different person at this point where he could have believed her? Because he's been through this experience. Yeah, so what ends up happening is uh, he's trying to plead her down from suicide. But before we go that, okay. do, do you agree with what I'm saying now? Did you get that feeling? Or? I didn't. I did not get that feeling. I got the feeling that his guilt was because he didn't get her the treatment she needed because he was too close to the situation. Okay. That, like, he didn't... He was ill-equipped to treat his own wife. Right. Which is why he feels like a fraud and a failure as a doctor. Okay, I I thought there was also like this mirroring element of the person he's treating now, Mrs. Winchester, believes she talks and sees these people. And it turns out she's correct. That would make him then question his past diagnosis, diagnosis of other people. Diagnosis. Is that the plural? Diagnoses diagnoses of other people where they have claimed to see things and he thought it was all rubbish, but now he knows that that's a reality. If they had given enough time or any more development to Ruby, I might go with you a little more on that. Okay. But they really only define Ruby as she defines Price. Okay. So, like, he talks about himself being a fraud as a doctor. I got the impression that he was too close. And he's pleading her down and trying to talk her out of suicide. Right. And she puts the gun under her chin. Mm -hmm. He grabs at it. And the gun goes off. Yes. And And shoots him in the chest. And he goes down. And then uh, she reloads the gun and commits suicide. And then after this memory, we see another vision of Ruby. In white. Luminous and, like, lucid looking. And this one forgives him and sends him back to the world. Yes. So this is the ghost who has finished her business and she's moving on. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then, in the dumbest shot in the movie, he comes to and all the other ghosts that are out are just kind of standing around. Yes. This this moment to me felt very video game-esque. Because we see him in the house with a hammer... He then uses the hammer to get into this room. Then the hammer's gone, and he acquires an axe. And the axe lets him continue the story. Yeah, and I think this part is what ruins the movie. These other ghosts... uh, Because the other ghosts watch him, and we think they're going to do something. And then the door swings open, and the ghosts are kind of like, Nah, he's cool. And, like, just let him go. Just let him go. This is, again, why I think that there's something to him believing his wife now. Mm -hmm. Because this is now him open to the idea that there are spirits, and now he sees all of them. So I kind of took it as this idea of all the doors are open, so now they're all around. So he can see every ghost that's in there. Okay. It takes, like, some focus for him to do it, but he can see them now. So he sees, and he sees, like, a Native American... He sees... A slave. A slave. And it's the idea that they've always just been around. And, like, they had never been able to be seen. So they're not used to being looked at. So they're just kind of like, oh, this guy notices me. How weird. 
Yeah. Well, I think this is where the movie starts to fall apart. Yeah, this is where it turns into a weird action movie. Um, because these are also the other malicious ghosts that have been sealed in. Yes. So logically, they should be trying to wreck some stuff. Yes. If they're not able to move on and they're angry, wouldn't they be uh, mad, bro? It can definitely be interpreted that way. There's also the fact that the house is always being built. Mm-hmm. So there could, in theory, be other rooms that are like the ghosts are moving into and they have not finished their business and been able to pass on. So they're just working through that. And in a strange moment, when he's on the stairs and gets the axe, uh, the slave ghost drops all of his nails on the stairs for Price. Yeah, they help him. They're helping him, and then Ruby points up the stairs, but she's the vision of the mad Ruby again. She's not the beautiful, white-clad, sane Ruby who's forgiven him. She's crazy Ruby again, which doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. Eh, there's some problems with this movie. Um... So then he makes it upstairs and Sarah's in the rocker in her black veil saying the balance of the house is destroyed and the Anakin Skywalker must bring balance back to the house. Yes, he's the chosen one. And then um, Marion's still following his Henry's voice and we get another roller skate, roller jump, skate scare! jump scare. Roller skates are evil, guys. And in the scene, uh, Price concedes to Sarah that he believes her and he believes in the house. And concedes that he is connected to the house. Yes. And they end up... They basically have a fight scene with this ghost. Well, first, the ghost possesses Henry. But Marion runs forward and embraces him. And right as Marion embraces Henry, which Marion seems to always break Benjamin's control on on Henry. So then Sarah pleads with... Benjamin to fight her, not her children, or not her family. And then Sarah's possessed, and Helen Mirren really earns her paycheck being possessed. Yes. So then this is where things get dumb. Yes. We have a fight scene with this ghost, and, like, I don't want to go step by step through it. No. The the main thing about it is it ends with Dr. Price with a gun, and he's being told... That there's something in this room that scares the ghost. They think it's the gun at first and then they realize it's the bullet he has. Yes. So he puts the bullet into the gun, uses his like super focus so he can see him, and shoots it. Killing the ghost. Making him double dead. And dying again at the hands of a gun. A Winchester rifle, no less. They shoot a ghost. They shoot him and he dies. Shoot a ghost. Yes. I'm guessing, and maybe if the movie had tried to really lean into this, but since he re- it's the bullet that killed Price. Yeah, it's a ghost bullet now. And then he refurbished the bullet, so maybe it's because this bullet already killed someone. Yeah. And usually that's not a thing you can reuse. Maybe. But they don't really lean, so it's very stupid feeling. Yeah. I have a theory that I'll reveal at the end on this. Okay. They, they kill this and... Everyone kind of goes back to normal and everyone's fine. Yeah, Price gives the professional opinion that uh, Sarah's sane and healthy. Yes. And the movie ends with Price going up to, um, to, to Mrs. Winchester and saying, What do you do now? And she says, Rebuild. And then they build a bigger bat cave. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, and then he says goodbye. Now, I, I will say this. I got to a point where the, at this movie where I kind of thought the ending was going to be her rebuilding and him saying, we have a lot of work to do. And that would have been a decent pilot. Yeah. This is kind of a good pilot. If this is a series about, like, we're going to use the Winchester house to bring ghosts in and save them. I would kind of be behind this show. Yeah, It would be a stay tuned if this was a pilot. Yeah, and then, like, Sarah scatters the lock of hair of her deceased child in the wind to move on from the past. And Price enters the garden room and tells his wife it's time for both of them to leave. Right. And, like... The house is lovely and still, and then we see nails being driven out of a board. Yeah. And hitting the floor. A sequel hook to the next episode. Yeah. This was fine. The ending really falls apart. Well, I have this thought. Okay. I really thought this was going to end with him saying, we have a lot of work to do. But he doesn't. Right. He, he says, you know, you know, I'm going on my way or whatever. Now, the one thing I'm not sure of that we've said Mm -hmm. a a few times is that they're always in the room they die in. Yes. I'm not positive if that's true. Or it's just what makes them feel at home. Because it's the the room that, like, they design through, like, that spiritual seance they do with Sarah. Yeah, I mean, she does explicitly say it's the room they die in. Does she say that? They want me to reconstruct the rooms that they died in. She does don't remember that. Yeah, she does explicitly say it. Okay. Because I have a theory. Okay. I think Dr. Price is dead the whole time. And I know you hate that as a theory. I do. But there's a lot of, like, evidence in here of something's amiss. Because he does say he was killed by the rifle and was dead. Mm Mm-hmm. He then he says it was for only three minutes, but we never really get how he's revived. No, we don't. In 1905. Right. So, like, this is before CPR. Right. So then... CPR would not have helped him with a chest I know, but I'm just, chest saying, I'm just saying, like, this is before the basics of, like, how you save a life right. are known. He then ends up in a room that's his own bedroom. Mm-hmm. It's a room for him that has a picture of his wife in it. He brought that with him. He comes in carrying a picture? It's a little pocket watch picture. It's like the size of my fist. I I still just took it as like, maybe this is his room. And maybe this whole thing is his process of passing over. He has been a spirit that's been called to the Winchester house and is now going through this process because in his mind, the reason he is going there is to wipe out a debt. He has some sort of unfinished business that needs to be handled before he can move on. He physically interacts with far too many people and things Mm -hmm. like his establishing shot is three prostitutes. Then the guy who gives him the job than everyone in the Winchester house, including the construction people. Yes, but it should be... And he physically catches Henry. 
True. He touches Marion. True. But we've seen ghosts physically interact with uh, things in the house before. And Do any of them physically touch anybody outside of Benjamin at the end at full power? I mean, that's one <laughs> right there. Okay, at full power. Yeah. I'm saying that it's it's possible that that is what this bad movie was trying to get across. There's not like, I'm not saying there's concrete evidence in here, but I'm saying as a horror movie and as a, as a genre of film that's usually like dissected and has hitting meetings, I think there's a possibility that that is something that you could take away from this film. It, it's that he was called to the house. He does something that really clears his conscience and then he leaves. And yes, you can say that the, this person hired him for the job to be there. That person is never in the house and never interacts with anyone besides him. Because I ha- I started to come up with this theory when they talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. And this guy's kind of like talking on the phone and no one else is around him. I was like, maybe this is something that they're trying to get across. I think you're reaching real hard. It's a bad movie I'm trying to get some sort of joy out of. Yeah, I I always hate the so-and-so is crazy the whole time or so-and-so is dead the whole time. Because I feel like you can always extrapolate that if you dig deep enough. And I don't think this movie... I think the... Uh, I think Price's reliance on... We see Price eat. We see Price drink and take laudanum. We see Price Jones for alcohol. There's a couple of moments where, like, from his point of view, we see him staring at, like, the liquor bottle. I'm just saying it's a possibility. That's yeah. all I'm putting out there. Yeah, I'm not buying it. Okay, you don't have to. Yeah. I'm just saying that it's possible that this is something the directors wanted you to buy. Sure. I don't really, like, I, I don't really buy it. I do feel like there's, and we, we said we were going to get to this, now we kind of have to, a weird political statement that doesn't know what it wants to say about guns. This is something that I've been weighing back and forth in my mind. Is this movie anti-guns? I think it's secretly pro-guns. So what's really interesting is this was a co-produced film by Australia and America. And Australia has incredibly strict gun laws. Okay. So I thought that was just really interesting because it's this weird, it's kind of pro-gun, but kind of anti-gun. I think like so many other things in this movie, it didn't think it through enough. I I don't think it has a clear message. I kind of think it has a clear pro-gun message because you have the scene at dinner where they say, like, I know we've been joking about it, but... Guns are as dangerous as roller skates. And nobody argues that. They just kind of let that stay. That doesn't continue conversation. But more importantly, uh, they say about guns that it is not that the gun is, is evil. It's who wields them. Right? That's that's the the usual argument when it comes to guns. That's the usual argument. Okay, I yeah. I disagree with where you're going with this, but keep going. Where I'm going with this is, the way this movie ends is a good guy with a gun saving the day. Right. That is the end of the movie, is a good person has a gun, 
and stop someone who has many guns, but the good person with the gun wins. I mean, I... Yeah, I guess. Like, so that's but, why... I, and I, that's not necessarily a message I agree with, but I, that's the message I feel like we were supposed to get from it. I disagree, because the whole movie is Sarah essentially doing penance for all the people whose lives were ruined by guns. Mm-hmm. Include, and she says, like, not even just the people who die by them, but the people who live. Like, Price's right. life is ruined by guns because of his wife, Ruby. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like it's a muddled message. I feel like the movie doesn't really want to take a stance, yeah. so it doesn't. So, so you don't think the directors had a message at all about guns? No, I don't think they did. So they were. you think the directors were just kind of making a movie about the Winchester house, and they have no political stance on guns? Correct. Okay. I, I, I think we were supposed to walk away pro-gun. I strongly disagree. I don't think we were supposed to walk away with an opinion on guns. I think we were supposed to walk away going, that's a cool horror movie. I mean, the the, the reason I'm so like, I, th- I spend a lot of time thinking about this is there are really two types of horror movies mm-hmm. when you're making a horror movie. It's the, these people are all terrible, so it's fun to watch them die horror movie. Okay. And in this one, no one really dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, no one that you care about is ever really, like... We lose two characters, and it's the beard guy and the other butler. Yeah, and, like, they don't die in a super fun way. They and don't really die interestingly. You don't, yeah, we don't know their names, so it's definitely not one of those types of movies. Or it's the, I made a movie really cheap, and it's secretly political commentary. And, because usually a horror movie is commenting on something. Right. The idea that this movie is commenting on nothing makes it a Razzie movie, for sure. I mean, the directors were born in Germany mm-hmm. and ra- and went to college in Australia, both pretty staunchly anti-gun countries. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine they'd be making movies with this like pro-gun message. If anything, I could see that being executive meddling of maybe the movie came off too anti-gun. Maybe I, I just want if if you are right and that they had no agenda, then they made a terrible, terrible movie because I definitely got a pro gun message at the end of this. No, I don't think it. Uh, I really don't think it had a pro gun message. Okay, given that so much of it is predicated on look how many lives guns ruin. Yeah, I I, I get that, but I really feel like with the story, they were like, look at how how many lives guns ruin. When bad people wield them. And now we have a good person wield them and they save the day. I could be wrong, but I feel like that's what I was supposed to take out of it. And again, not something I agree with as a message, but I think that's what they were saying. Yeah, I I never got that out of it. Okay. Um, so, the movie made money. The movie made $40 million worldwide. And only had a $3 million budget. I mean, like, thinking back on it, it's very cheap. And I remember when this movie came out, I wanted to see it because I find the Winchester house interesting. Like, I would like to know more about it. I don't feel like I learned anything about the Winchester house from this movie. They do have the uh, little title cards at the end that, like, Sarah Winchester really did rebuild the house her whole life. 
There was construction 24 hours a day, seven days a week, until she died. Yeah, and I, I will say that the people who would go see this movie probably already know that. Like, it's appealing to people who are fans of the Winchester House. We're like, ooh, a movie about the Winchester House. And the only facts we get are like, yeah, that's why we came to see this. Right, I mean, it's... This movie was aimed at people who didn't know what the Winchester House was. Yeah. Or only knew it as a really famous haunted house. Right. So, Helen Mirren didn't like the marketing very much because she felt it was being marketed as a horror movie and it was really more of a ghost story. And I kind of agree with this because the jump scares feel a little thrown in. Yeah. And to the point where there's places where we feel like they forgot to enter the jump scare that was supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. So I feel like... This movie should have been more of, like, when I say the uninvited, I mean the old uninvited yeah. from, like, the old black and white uninvited, not the, like, 2007 yeah. remake. It should be spooky. Yeah. What we used to call, like, a Halloween movie. Right, right. The uninvited. Um, that's the one that really comes to mind as being a ghost story. Yeah. So she, I think if they had really committed to making this movie a ghost story... I think if they'd committed to the ambiguity of, you know, is is it real or is it laudanum? Right. Yeah. Like, that was a really interesting premise that I was actually invested in. And then it was just like, that, that part's over. I mean, even if they'd committed to it being real at the end, they probably... The movie tipped its hand a little too quickly. This is a shortish movie. This is only like an hour and a half. Yeah, it's 90 minutes. So... Uh, people were really confused that this got nominated for a Razzie, and this movie was really making me think, what makes a Razzie film? Yeah. Because there were higher profile, worse horror movies. I I think the reason that the Razzie's nominated is because Helen Mirren's in it. So it should have been better? It should, like, it's Helen Mirren's in this crap movie. Because if you compare it to uh, Action Point, because that's the one we keep going back to because we right. saw it in theaters. Like, if if you take everything away from the descriptions and say, hey, which one of these movies is better? The one with Helen Mirren or the one with Johnny Knoxville? Yeah. You'll say, well, the Helen Mirren movie's got to be better. So the fact that you have these big stars in it faltering, uh, I think is what makes it a Razzie movie. And like now thinking back, I think that's why uh, Movie 43 won. Because it had the most celebrities dragged down. Okay. I think what makes a Razzie movie in the eyes of the people who nominate these things are whose careers is this hurting? Okay. Rather than how un- <laughs> how bad of a time is an audience member having? Because uh, Winchester got a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Slender Man got a 7. Yeah. Uh, Truth or Dare got a 15. And those were the other... Uh, Truth or Dare or Slender Man were the other two... That the entire the Reddit thread would bring up as being worse horror movies. Okay. That were higher profile. Truth or Dare was very overmarketed. Yeah. So we all saw the weird cartoonish CGI, and Slenderman had that too little too late. Mm-hmm. Feels like the Snowman yeah. of that year. I-, I would also say that you know with Truth or Dare, I don't think anyone is expecting a masterpiece when they go into that movie. Right. They're expecting, like, this is the one with the weird smiling, and it's based off of a game we played when we were drunk. Versus, this is a Helen Mirren movie about an actual historical site. 
Yeah, I think the uh, tone this movie wanted was the others with Nicole Kidman. That is the movie I couldn't think of this whole time. Maybe the skeleton key with Kate Hudson. Yeah. Like that kind of, not necessarily a horror film, but a... A thriller with supernatural elements. Yes. Uh, My opinion, I did like that they didn't pair off Price and Marion. I really thought they were going to head in that direction, and I liked they didn't do that. Um, And there's no payoff with the other ghosts. The other ghosts who are mad just go back to their rooms. And we see one ghost actively help Price, and that makes sense. Yes. But, like, the rest of them just go back to their rooms, I guess. Yeah. And then one of them's going to come out. Mm-hmm. Sequel hook. Winchester 2. So, uh... Winchestist. Winchestier. Nope. It already the... ends in ER. That's... that's why it'd be Winchestist. Yeah, that... Mine just sounded like the porn parody. <laughs> Winchesty. Oh, nope. Okay, bye. Also, I looked it up, and the actor who played Tower Terror Bell Hop... He's Australian, trying to do a southern okay. U.S. accent. That makes a lot of and sense. And that is almost exactly what I thought it was. Uh, this movie was nominated for the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts. They're like the Australian equivalent of the Academy Awards. This was nominated for two of them. Yeah? Yep. How many movies did they make in Australia? <laughs> Five? <know>. Enough, to, <laughs> enough to have an award show? I mean, it, it got production design and... Oh, okay. <laughs> and costume design. Oh, that that bellhop wasn't getting best supportive actor. Oh, he he was not. So, what do you think? Is this a stay tuned or a stay doomed? Uh, for me, it is a stay doomed. I think if you, it, it's a movie you can put on with friends and make fun of. It is in that category. But like oddly, if this was a pilot, I would say stay tuned. I would like to see more adventures of the Winchester house where they figured it out. Because this movie's also so cheap that they only go through, like, four uh, rooms. The idea of, like, there are many rooms in the Winchester house is alluring. And the fact that they never did a a confusing door farce chase scene where there's just like, oh, there's a ghost, I better run away, and you open a door and it's, like, three stories up into nothing... Like, that's the point of the Winchester house, is it doesn't make sense. You also want Price to get a Great Dane, and for Marion to lose her glasses and yes. say jinkies. But, like, seriously, the fact that it's the Winchester house, and there's not one scene where someone gets lost, yeah, that is seems so odd. dumb. That does seem very strange. Yeah. So, I, there's a lot of missed opportunities in this film. I'm going to say I stay doomed, because for me to even be interested in the show... I would have had to be more invested in the characters, and I was never invested enough in Price, Marion, Henry. Really, the only one I was invested in was Sarah Winchester. Yeah. Uh, Helen Mirren really doesn't deserve the Razzie for Best Actress, or for Worst Actress. No. Uh, I think it's one of those, because she's Dame Helen Mirren. Yeah. They gave her Worst Actress because she happened to be in this bad movie. Yeah. Which is a lot of the Worst Actress and Actor nominations in the Razzies. Our next episode is going to be on Robin Hood. Yes, yes. We're going to go in with Robin Hood because it's the last movie we can actually obtain. Uh, yeah, we are going to announce that the fifth Monday of April will be Holmes and Watson. Yes. We usually like to do something fun on the fifth Monday. April is the next month with the fifth Monday. 
And Holmes and Watson will be available on DVD by then. Yes, I am. It's releasing in March. Yeah, so uh, we can't do it. We, we, we looked for theater tickets, but it was already gone. I was actually going to, like, sit in the back of the theater with a flashlight and a pen taking notes for you people. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, we couldn't find it. So we'll be doing Robin Hood next Monday, and then we'll move on to a next theme, which we're not going to reveal quite yet. Yes. Uh, where can people see us live, Noah? Uh, people can see us live at... Zenkai Con in Lancaster, Pennsylvania at the Lancaster Convention Center. That is March 22nd through the 24th. We'll be doing stand-up comedy. We'll be doing Walt Disney's America. A brand new panel. We will be doing Beyond the Tentacle Fit to be Hentied and Stay Doomed Live. It's going to be great. And people who look uncannily like us will be involved in cosplay pro wrestling. Yes. Where can people reach out to us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you want to talk to me about whether or not the entire movie was about how Dr. Price was dead the whole time, I'm at TV's Noah. If you hate movies where someone was dead the whole time, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>